0: Following is an exclusive presentation of the Ultimate Hoops podcast network.
1: All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Ultimate Hoops podcast. Again joined by Jake Aswin, co-host. And this time we're joined by a special guest, a one that we needed to have on, and that's 11 time Ultimate Hoops champion. Including a national tournament. That's Chris Frey. So Chris, thanks for jumping on. We appreciate the time. I know you're still considered an essential ploy. You're still a working man.
0: I am still a working man and, and hopefully no one sees this or when they post it, they think I'm working. <laughs> no, I am still a working man.
1: You're still a working man. Jake and I are still very much furloughed and enjoying our podcasts. So we'll we'll start there. Uh, Jake, we as we start every podcast episode, we go through your quarantine update. Um, So, please update the masses on what you have done in the past, I'd say, week now.
2: Uh, We've been binging The Office, Anthony. And by the way, Chris Frey, the second guest on this podcast, the second essential personnel we've had on the podcast. Dan Budick also deemed essential personnel as well. So, how about that? Um, Yeah, I've been binging The Office. We were through five seasons of that. Leo, I know you started it as well. So, I look forward to uh, your thoughts as you make your way through the Michael Scott experience. So, I've watched plenty of The Office. I have... Listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm going to add the Los Phrase podcast to my list of podcasts I should tune into. Um, And I'm also trying to reach out to folks and hopefully get a job at some point when things start to open up. That would be nice. So we're doing all that and trying to stay busy here in the quarantine. And uh, oh, yeah, I've watched some movies as well. I don't know the last time we recorded what I was up to, but some recent movies. 23. Okay. So since then, I've watched Dumb and Dumber, The Wedding Singer, I Love You, Man, Big and Wet Hot American Summer. So out of all those movies, they were all comedies. And I would say that The Wedding Singer and Dumb and Dumber were the two favorites out of that list. However, big, very good. Tom Hanks and Wet Hot American Summer. Cult classic. As a kid that went to summer camp, I got a lot of the funny like inside jokes that they had in Wet Hot American Summer. So there you go. There's the movie update as well.
1: The movie update, Camp Canadensis is proud of you for watching those very... Great movies. I'm sure you you enjoyed very much. Now, Chris, your your update with quarantine. We know you've been a little busy with myself as well. We've you have now put me onto this wonderful podcast. So so break it down for us. What have you been doing aside from actual work?
0: Are you saying like on the podcast level, or just well, yeah, of the life?
1: podcast level. Everything. We we want to know more about your life in the past month.
0: Yeah, I've been. Uh... Honestly, I've been doing a lot of just running on running on the treadmills trying to stay in shape um obviously we built the the podcast Los Freys. really excited for that uh with uh leo uh myself and Carlos but uh really other than leo that, is a
2: Frey brother at heart
0: yeah yeah um you know i've been seeing i i have seen my family uh we we have social distance with each other, so I don't think they we've seen anyone else but each other so i was a i've been able to see them, so it hasn't been too crazy. I was able to go to my mom's house for Easter. Um, but you know, it's been weird for work, working from home because I'm a very like hands-on manager, uh, you know, working with my employees. Um, but other than that, it's been interesting, you know, newlywed, uh, having to like, you know, be with my wife every day as she works, uh, cause she's a school teacher. So, you know, trying, being in different rooms and then kind of like seeing each other and then every day kind of feels like the weekend. So it, re- it really kind of feels weird. Uh, but I just saw they extended it to May 15th for New York. So, so it looks like I'm stuck here for at least another month. Yeah. What do you think the
2: uh, divorce rate is going to be when we come out of this? You know, it's, or it's just like, I just can't even imagine like someone like you, Chris, you just got married. So things are going great. But like, could you imagine like couples that are probably already on the fringe and now they're stuck in quarantine together? Like I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when we get out of
0: this. I, I've I've had conversations that people that are in relationships that, that are going well, it's been good. Uh, but people that are single and uh, really just itching to get out and just meet other people are starting to lose it. And then obviously, those couples that were just on the fringe, uh, definitely are not seeing each other or behind closed doors and pretend doing their own quarantine from each other. So
1: May 15th is a long way from now. It's, a, it's another month. And then we'll kind of, I guess, reevaluate and kind of see where we are. I know there's now talks about, you know, whether we're going to have beaches open this summer. And, you know, for us, it's more so when is the gym going to open? So no one has any idea still when the gym is going to reopen. We don't know when we're going to get back to Ultimate Hoops basketball. You um, know, that's what we're all here for today is, you know, we, we want to hear Ultimate Hoops basketball from you, Chris. So in the very beginning, we're going to go back to the, the very start. You've been here longer than me, maybe longer than Jake. So take us back to the beginning when you first started. How did you get involved with Ultimate Hoops and, you know, your first game when it kind of all started for you? What was yeah. your first
2: season, Chris? I don't even know because I started in December 2012. Were you playing already by then? I don't. Recall. I was
1: playing by then. I
0: was probably a sophomore in college, maybe 2010, 2011 I joined in. Um, I my brother. I was actually at school still. So my brother was like, you're joining the gym. I signed you up. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, and you're on this team. We're playing with this guy named Ken. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, are we any good? And he goes, no, we're, we're not very good right now. But with you, I think we'll be pretty good. And uh, so I, I came down from like school one day and like played because I was like, fine, I'll just come home and see what the g- game's like. And like, we dominated. And, like, I, he's like, you're going to do what? Uh, and like played. And we ended up making it to the finals and played Mike Mastro. In the finals, and ah. I had never played Mastro. He had hurt his foot when we played Unstuck, and we blew him out. And my brother was like, "This guy's very good. Do not like take him for granted." And I actually we beat No Mercy in the semifinals. We ups we took them down. They were like defending champs for like two seasons, and that was kind of the end of No Mercy. Like we they never we just I from then on I kind of just turned my back on them. But I ended up losing to Mastro in my in the finals. He schooled me. I had never played against him, and then that was when I kind of was, looked at my brother. And I'm like, we're making our own team, and we are bringing in, like, people, and we're getting, like, guys together, and we're going to take this
1: league down. When you go back to the season that you played, your very first season, I have pulled up in front of me. You indeed did lose that game. Mastro did Mastro things. He had a near triple-double. He came one assist shy. He had 20 points, 15 rebounds, 9 assists, and 5 steals. Rallo, the ageless wonder, had 20 in that game as well. Your brother had
2: had 13.
1: You had 22 points, eight rebounds, an assist, and a 66 to 51 loss. You were the Cougar captains. It was the summer of 2012.
0: Yep. Uh, My semifinal game was very impressive uh, against No Mercy. That was probably the best game of that season for me.
1: You had 23, 13, and 3 in that game. But in the first game you played against Unstuck, you had 44. There so, you go. There you go. You had forty-four, nineteen, and eleven in your first one, and then you followed it up with a thirty-five, twenty-three, and six performance. And uh, and I guess this is this schedule is a little whacked up here. I'm not sure who made this, but it says week one, two, two, and three, three. I'm not sure who built this one. Clearly it wasn't uh, me. Got to love and tyranny. Uh, and tyranny yeah.
0: back in the day. So Chris
2: beat me by about uh, six months because my first season was like the tail end of the fall season in 2012, and then I got hired and started working. So Chris was already established at that time as one of the better players in the league when I came in.
1: Yeah. Now, what was it like, you know, for both of you with Tierney running the league at the time? You know, Jake, you were kind of in the stats, media maybe wasn't there yet. And Chris, you were obviously playing at the time. You haven't really formed into maybe full Chris Frey mode yet, taking over teams yet. But both of you were still under the reign of Tierney.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, it was great. Cause he, you know, he was friends with my brother. We actually went to Atlantic city one weekend and, and <laughs> I, uh, it was like right when I made like that half court shot and against, uh, I think it was, I forgot who it was, but that was when Straub jumped gym. That was when proper punishment won that season. Um, but that season, like Ed, you know, posted the picture and it was like all over the internet and like, that was like a really cool moment for me because the internet wasn't as big then. So like, for me, that was like the biggest thing that ever happened to me outside of like playing college. But you know, it was good. Um, obviously, it was we didn't get like we didn't have the talent there, but it, you know, it wasn't as well run as it is now.
1: No, I think things have definitely changed. I mean, Jake, what was it like for you back then? I mean, you were just beginning. You know, you were coming off of your great court monitor days. You were one of the best to ever live. <laughs> you've you've you know paved the way for those. So. T- Break it down for us. What was it like being with under Ed Tierney?
2: I enjoyed working for Ed. You know, I I never got to see Ed as the coordinator, though. When I I got hired, Ed had already moved to basically the position you have now, Anthony. Now, it's not, you know, your position is way more advanced from where it was in 2012. But it was a similar concept where Ed was overseeing multiple regions, multiple gyms on the East Coast. And then the lead coordinator at that time was Joe Cardello, who went from the stats role to the LC role. And then, you know, I, I would work with him on game nights, but you could see the talent in this league. was really good. It's not what it is now, but you know, that's what happens over the course of, you know, eight years. They clearly, you know, has grown to where I believe Syosset and garden city are two of the best leagues in the country, pound for pound talent wise, and just efficiency, how they're run. So, Early on, you know, I could speak to what Chris is saying. Like, it was a big deal when we were doing interviews and had, like, trophy presentations and had, you know, like, media for a pickup league. Like, that like that had not been done before, and Ultimate Hoops made that possible and really, you know, exposed the league to so many people.
1: Yeah, I think, for, like you said, now it's much different. But back then, you know, I, I wasn't here for it, so it's always nice to kind of hear what you guys were doing before I, you know, got there. I didn't come till two years later, you know, 2014, when you, you, you and Dan were going off to school and you're like, Hey, you want a job at lifetime. And that's kind of when things unfolded for me. But, you know, Chris, you, you've been playing this league a long time. So like we said, since, since the summer of 2012, so you've been through a lot, you've had a lot of great moments yourself. You've played on a lot of strong teams. You know, what are your, some of your, your favorite moments from like the early days, the early times playing with some of those teams?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was proper punishment was fun when we, we got like the jerseys together, me, Straub, Ken, uh, my brother, I remember Sal, uh, that was a pretty strong lineup that we brought together, and then moving to, like, you know, I was kind of tired of playing with, you know, kind of wanted to have, like, my own team and make my own name, so I moved to Stefan and Sam, and then we won a season uh, against each other, and then, then I kind of really got into, like, the powerhouse mode where Carlos joined and Rawa joined and then Pashota joined and Dante joined, um, but some of those teams were really good. It's probably why we moved to a draft league. Um, but yeah, like once I kind of got Dante in the gym, I, I kind of like took the, the the open league and ran with it.
1: Yeah, as soon as as soon as Dante joined the league, everything kind of changed. I mean, Carlos was one thing, but once Dante came, you know, that kind of completely changed everything. So, you know, the draft league has completely, utterly changed everything now. The, the way we do it with the two captains set up, and that's how you've, even went on a dynasty of your own, your, your shore shack team, you were on three in a row, went to, you know, four straight with Peshoda until his he hurt his back. So, you know, it, it's been an amazing run for you guys as of late. So hopefully we can get back in the gym. Can Chris, what something? I've always,
2: yeah, what I always loved about Chris is uh, from a media perspective, Chris always would will, be willing to do the interviews and take it seriously and have some fun with it. And that was always a blast. Chris was one of the first players that um, we, we routinely interview. And, and, and I'll tell you what, I think what makes you know, the media in New York so successful over the years is when the best players in the league want to be a part of it and take it seriously and have fun with it it makes it that much better for everyone else. So Mike Mastro would always do interviews and have fun and and take it seriously. Chris would always do it. Carlos would always do it. So things like that made the league into what it was from a media standpoint early on.
1: From a media standpoint now, obviously things have changed. But for you, Chris, back then, I mean, media was just beginning and Jake was kind of at the forefront of it, kind of leading the way and getting everyone, you know, into this mode now where doing an interview after the game is like almost mandatory. I'm always chasing you guys down to get you guys to do those interviews at this point. So, you know, I know it's changed a lot, but something we want to touch on too is, you know, the rivalry and everyone talks about it is, is it a rivalry? What do you make of it? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's a great rivalry because and it's fun when it's like my brother and myself against Rallo and Mastro Um, and then like having Carlos and Jordan so like those three against those three, that's the true like three on three rivalry. Now I've had recent success against Mastro in a lot of games. Um, I I think that Mastro, you know, he's a bit older than me, so like it's it's been tougher. Like, and I'm probably gonna start joining him in a few years uh, of moving around. You see Mastro dominating the vet league, but it, I mean it's it's a true rivalry in the sense that. No matter what teams we have, we can beat any team at any point just because, you know, we're both very good players. So Mastro is the the goat of Lifetime. I try to deem myself Lifetime's true champion because as <laughs> Lifetime's in, like built, I've started winning a lot more than Mastro. Now, I think Mastro also has a kid. He has a little more responsibilities outside of Lifetime basketball than me, and I'm a little younger, so... I will definitely give Mastro always the benefit of the doubt, but it's crazy that no matter what Mastro's team is, he's like LeBron. Like, that team could beat you. Even if it's, like, he has uh, – who's, who's the guy that he always has uh, uh, play with him sometimes? In the draft league or – Yeah, the draft league he had fill in for, like, a game.
1: And fill in Berlin for a
0: game? He's an older guy. Older guy? Yeah, he's big. Um, he's bald. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name. Oh, my God. But, he like, he could have a guy that just, like, doesn't play basketball, play basically four and five and keep it a game the entire game. Like, I can't do that like Mastro. Mastro makes the game – like it's just he's such a presence on the court and so smart and good in, like, positioning-wise that he, he is a better basketball player than me. Where I think I edge Mastro is I'm probably a better GM. Like, I think I draft better. I, like, can get guys on my team, like, that are better – So, like, that's where it's different. Mastro's just, like, really, really good on the court. Chris, now that
2: Mike has made the Hall of Fame, you look at the guys from the New York area that have, obviously, a legitimate case to be inducted into the Hall one day. You're on that list. Do you believe that you are a Hall of Fame UH basketball player?
0: Yeah, I mean, eventually. Not yet. Uh, Eventually. Like, I have enough championships, probably, compared to, like, other – guys on the list but I definitely need more stats um because I think I've been at Lifetime since the beginning and kind of built New York up and that's things and also just on the media standpoint always willing to like jump on interviews and calls and I've won a national tournament in New York the inaugural one like that Mastro doesn't have and I actually beat Mastro in that game which is definitely going to help um I think like you know I was on that lefty list of one of the the you know, top lefties at Lifetime um I do think eventually I will be a hall of famer. It doesn't mean that a guy that's better than me, like gets in before me, you know, there's other things that come into play when you're a hall of famer. And I think that's where it's going to give me the edge, but it's going to be a few years. I think when I get in the vet league and I win a few there also, like that's going to put me over the edge.
1: You're a little bit away from the vet league, but you did mention playing in the, in the national tournament. So the national tournament, obviously you've played in two of the three, One of them, we won't speak of why you didn't play. That's another story for another time, which which was a a funny one. But, you know, the national tournaments have been always a good time. So 2017, the inaugural one, you know, what memories do you have of that? How much fun was it to play in that? You know, Jake and I and Dan, we had a blast during it. You know, 2017 was an awesome time to feature three New York teams in the semis and then two from Long Island that were closest to to play each other in the championship game. So what do you remember about 2017 and – and that incredible run you guys had.
0: I remember Richie Bird, Ken and Mastro saving our ass and beating that Westchester team. <laughs> I remember that vividly. The greatest game being, I've ever
2: seen play I, was that was that, that semifinal game, was game.
0: Awesome, and our semifinal game was great. Also, the it just, was because our team was not a scoring team. We like I I put Harley in for myself, and I said I'm not playing well. I put Harley Cox, Carlos, and. and and like mills and shorts. And I said, just press the crap out of this team and just go and create turnovers and chaos. And we made a massive run at the end to come back. And Harley, I was going to come in for Harley and Harley was like, no, uh, it's crazy. Like, you know, Harley's he's an older guy. Like he's not like a breakdown guard, but like, that's kind of the pieces you need on teams like that. You always need a guy that like a bread and butter kind of guy like that to like win things hit a big shot. So it was awesome there. I remember like the whole thing, uh, you know, uh, the co oh, what was the ref? Can uh, Mauer?
1: Oh, Kenny Ken Mauer.
0: Mauer. Yeah. Kenny Mauer. Meeting him, kind of talking to him, was really—I was kind of starstruck there. Um, you know, being in like the Lifetime Sky and, and being around the teams and everyone was watching. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, and and obviously, ultimately winning it. Um, just you know, I think both our teams were exhausted, and we we I think they're everyone's legs are tired, and no one was really hitting shots, and we were a little bigger and kind of broke them down in, in that final game. You guys also had more depth as well. And yeah.
2: It, so, Ken, Mastro, I think, um, obviously, Richie, they they had to give everything they had to come back down 15-zip to beat yep. FMB, and then they had to play again a, an hour later. So, I think that was a huge, huge disservice to them. But, you know, you guys took advantage. And that, that, that was so cool to see the, those two teams play – in the, for that championship, just because the knock coming into that tournament, if you remember, was that New York wasn't any good. And that never made yep. any sense to us because we watched these guys and watched you, Chris, and your team play every week, and we knew how talented you know, the guys in the league were. So that was a huge statement that New York made during right. that tournament. And then obviously FMB, two years later, wins the whole thing yep. to represent Westchester.
0: And I know Leo wants to jump in, but I, I think it's like when you look at all our guys, like you look at me, Mastro, Ken, and you look at Mills and Dante and Carlos, like we don't we're not like big jacked guys. We don't all jump out of the building. We we don't do anything crazy, like you know, we're not highlight real guys, like maybe Dante and Carlos are like those two are, but like Mastro, me and Ken do not look like basketball players that would battle with big ruse and guys that are like good, and that's the, that's what people underestimate, like IQ basketball. And they really underestimate Mastro in that. And when they were trying to bash Mastro with the Hall of Fame, I don't think they realize how high IQ this guy has. And if he was in his 20s when Lifetime was around, like some of these guys are, dude, he would have he been amazing. Like, he would have he been unbelievable. They, he'd have 22 championships. Like, it, it's so – that's why it gets me kind of angry. Like, you don't realize, like, how, like, good some of these guys are at basketball. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, you've played with a lot of talented people over the time. I mean, in that national tournament, we, we barely even mentioned him, but you play with a guy who won a national title at North Carolina. You play with Mike Copeland. I mean, yeah. Grant, did he I mean, he was at a, at a division one college. He was a major part of that team and a big reason why you guys, you know, did win that. So everyone puts on their full recruitment hats when national tournament time comes around. I mean, and then, you know, 2018 came. And, you know, 2019 comes around and, you know, the teams are getting better and better because people are starting to hear about it. You know, we, you know, a team that won from Maryland had Byron Mouton, another division one national title winner from Maryland. So the NAS tournaments are always a lot of fun. And you guys didn't get enough respect going into the first one. A lot of people always said, Oh, New York, this, New York, that, like you guys mentioned, we're not good. But, you know, when people start to see the Dantes of the world, the Richie and yourself and others, you know, people are going to start to take notice Now the question everyone's going to ask is, are we ever going to get out to Vegas? Are we ever going to go? You know, is that ever going to happen? So what are your thoughts? Do You think Vegas ever happens in the near future? Uh,
0: probably not. Uh, it's just a lot of time commitment and everyone's kind of like got lives and not, it just, I mean, listen, it's a lot of money to go to Vegas for a basketball tournament. Like we're not sponsored teams. Some of these guys have like, mike bibby on their team other guys (laughs) that can just pay for everything like no offense but none of us really have that and also like the best guys on our team probably like they they don't want to like do that so like sure i could get a team out there we'd get run out run out of the gym but like um if we brought our best guys we'd definitely be competitive um but I, i don't see us going to vegas at this point, I think we need a new cr- crop of guys to come in in a few years that are, are just as good as us. Like when I get, you know, in my thirties, which is crazy. Um, and some guys come in like 23, 24, that are like D2, D1 guys. And then maybe, maybe we can make it work.
2: Who's the next wave, Chris. Cause I think that's an interesting point. I haven't even really thought about that. Like my whole life at lifetime pun intended has been watching you know, this group of players, right. Watching you, Mastro, Rallo even in some of the vets guys, but eventually there'll be a new wave of guys that are coming in. Have you seen anyone or know anyone that you think is kind of going to be the next guy that, you know, could have a ton of success in UH?
0: I mean, it's kind of crazy. There's probably a few guys in there already that I don't even realize like, are, like that are that young, like Carl O'Brien's so young, but I always think of him like as my age. So like um, there's, the weird thing is that a lot of the guys are local that join in at lifetime. Um, I I think that the best players are are there around the area. They just haven't joined yet. Um, You just got to get one in and then two in and most of them got to come in either as trainers or something to really get into this gym. So there is a new wave. I just think it might take a few years.
1: The new wave is definitely going to take a lot just because of, like you said, the price point of the gym that everyone unfortunately can afford lifetime and the people that we do have in that are probably the new wave. You mentioned Carl is one. Justin Lambert is another one that you play with. He's very young, very good. Brandon Becker has been a good player over the last, you know, I'd say a few seasons now he's kind of put it together. So the new wave is kind of making its way, but it I don't think it's where it needs to be yet to be considered what you guys built at that early stage to now. It's, I think there's still a drop-off there. Don't get me wrong; they're very good players, but you know, putting them in a national tournament, let's say in three, four years from now, I'm not sure how they would stack up to the rest of the country. But you know, it's it's tough to say. But regardless, the, there's talent there for our draft leagues to be one of the best in the league across the country. You know, we're having Garden City season in and season out, where the competitiveness is going up and up and up. Um, you know, Carlos and Dante have put a, a stall on that. You put a little bit of a stall on it as well. Everyone's trying to find that, that, that tandem, that duo to kind of take things over. But um, it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I'm excited to get back and I don't know when we're going to get back, but what I want to transition to was kind of the, the 2020 tournament, if we'll ever have it, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And potentially who do you think could play?
0: Yeah. If we have it, which it's a toss up at this point, I, I don't see us, I don't know. I don't know. If we did do it, it'd be like just to play. I don't know. We're not a professional team, but if we did, <laughs> if we did, if we even, if we pushed it to like, let's say September, October, which we can easily do. I don't think that's anything crazy. Uh, if you, if you wanted me to build a team, um, it would probably be like me, uh, Dante, Carlos, uh, Kadim. Um, I like, I always have Cox cause he's a good glue guy. Um, Sheldon's pretty good. That guy Sheldon. Um, I feel like I'm missing someone. I feel like I miss, oh, Richie, of course, if Richie wants to play. Um, and and Carlos would be the glue. And then, of course, Mastro would probably round out that team. And, and that'd be a really, really good team. Um, I probably would have to fight for some minutes on that team.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you guys kind of made the team together that one time, and it, we won't speak of why it didn't work or what it didn't work about, but, you know, you guys played well, I thought. You guys played well enough to – potentially win that tournament. So getting you guys all back together could be interesting. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully if we do have it, Jake will be able to get back out here and we'll be able to put the band back together.
2: Chris, if you're starting a team – or you know what? I don't even want to do starting a team because I think it would be a different answer.
1: You have one game to
2: win, all right? You need to pick one player in UH, in the New York region, one game to win. You could pick any player that would be the, the leader of the team. Who's the first pick?
0: Tough. I've never played with Mastro. So it's tough. Like, you know, I'd feel comfortable one game I need to win. If it wasn't Mastro, I'd probably go with Carlos. Um, Carlos, like you just see, like when he joined Dante, they haven't lost a game in two seasons. Granted, Pichota has been pretty banged up. So I haven't been able to really challenge him, but Carlos is the best defender. He rebounds. He passes well. He he scores a little, like he gets everyone involved. Very similar to Mastro, and he could guard Mastro really well. Another guy, and I'm probably not really mentioning it, is Richie. Um, He's I'd the best say.
2: player I've seen, just pound He's the pound, best player in the does. court. It's yeah. just
0: another guy that I've never really played with. Um, but Richie, Carlos, Mastro, those would be the three, and then Dante would be right under there.
2: When Richie tries, it's it's otherworldly. Like, watching yeah. him at that tournament in 2017, the the national tournament, obviously, that, that was unbelievable. I mean, he was locked in yeah. trying, and he, no one could stop him. And he was going up against the best players in UH in, the, in that tournament. And, you know, he did it again last tournament, too. Obviously, I saw a lot of it online where he had some big shots, and one of them was a buzzer beater. So, that guy's just phenomenal.
0: Yeah. I, I just think that, like, Carlos – and Cox kind of in the finals really helped me on defense against Mastro and Richie, like Richie did not have a good game in that finals because Carlos and Cox were guarding him. So like, that's kind of just how I looked at it.
1: Yeah. I think with Richie, the thing is with people see, they go, all right, well, we know that guy can score 50. So, you know, let's just contain him and kind of make everyone else, uh, you know, kind of beat us. So, you know, that, that's the tough part with Richie's game is if you're picking one guy, you know, the other team is most likely going to say, all right, let's, let's double and let's triple that guy. And try to make everyone else beat us and you know that's the tough part about it master obviously would be a great pick any of those guys would be good picks they're all they're all excellent players and um you know we i hopefully one day we can get everyone back together on the court that'd be that'd be great so uh, soon enough you know may 15th is the next day up for social distancing and then from there we kind of take off and see if we're ever going to open this gym back up it's going to be a tough one for to to go by but you know, that wraps up kind of what I wanted to talk about Ultimate Hoops Conversation, but what I do want to talk about before we go is the New York Jets. We have two of the biggest Jets fans in the world between you two. So if we can quickly run through your draft plans for the Jets in the next five minutes, that'd be tremendous. So I'll kick it off with Jake.
2: I don't even know if we necessarily need five minutes because I think Chris, Chris and I are probably going to be in agreement here. Uh, to me, Chris, 11th pick, best offensive lineman on the board. It is such a deep wide receiver class and the Jets have three picks in the top 80 after their first-round pick, so they could address the wide receiver need with their second- and third-round picks. They got two of them. So they could go double wide receiver with those picks. To me, you got to get the best tackle available if it's, you know, Willis from Alabama, if it's Becton from Louisville, if it's Thomas from Georgia, whoever is there. I think there'll be at least one or two of those guys on the board at 11. That's the pick. And then you kind of go from there and maybe end up with T. Higgins or someone of that caliber at wide receiver. In the second round or third round, and then you're set up to have you know a really complete off season improving the whole roster.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, of course, I want offensive line, if the, especially one of those four. Um, you see those media posts like, "Oh, we like rugs," "Oh, we like lamb." I think that's all smoke by Douglas, just trying to get guys who are below, trying to want to trade up, and, and grab one of these guys. Um, but you know, one of those four offensive linemen right there are, are big. You know. Jay kind of hit the nail on the head. Second round, there's a ton of wide receivers you can grab. Uh, and, and, you know, you have Pittman, you have Jefferson. That If he's available, he might sneak into the first round. Um, there's one other guy I can't really think of. Jerez, maybe, that I'm thinking of. Uh, I can't really say his name. Claiborne um, from
2: LSU. Isn't that another wide receiver?
0: Maybe, you mean, well, there's Moss. I don't know if he's staying. Those Moss staying. Moss is going. He's going. Moss is going. He's probably a little later, but, yeah. He's a tight like,
2: end, too. But I the, gotta, the you point you is dr- – there's so many guys, and they, they could get a quality – they can get a guy that would normally be a first-round wide receiver in the second round. So, I, I think that's the move. You get the, you get the franchise left tackle, and you look at what they did in the offseason when they signed McGovern to play center. You know, you brought in some depth with Font on the outside, and then obviously, you know, uh, Ben Rotten, the Long Island kid, is now going to be the, the starting, god, so, starting guard, I should say. Starting so, guard. you know, we hope he's as good as that. So, I mean, realistically – they, the line will be better, but they still need that franchise left tackle. They haven't had one since DeMarcus Shaw Ferguson, obviously. So I think you got to get into that pick eleven.
1: Yeah, I agree. The Jets uh, and their drafts coming up very soon. The NFL virtual draft is something to behold and something we all look forward to watching. Uh, it's kind of like everyone in the world doing their own fantasy football draft, but now the NFL actually has to do their own version of it. You know, everyone's going to set up their own weird setup in their basement of their multi-million dollar houses and. They're going to do this NFL virtual draft, so we all look forward to it. I'm excited to watch it uh, coming up, and then, we'll, of course, this weekend we're going to have the last dance, so so hang in there, people. There's going to be some content, some sports to actually tune into, and then hopefully Ultimate Hoops basketball will return in the next, you know, so-on months. July 12th is the start of the summer date. I know Chris is itching to get back on the court, ready to get back out there with a healthy Pashoda, a healthy back, and kind of take back his crown as you know, shore shack champions. I know he's cooking up more team names as we, as we go day by day, we've gone from shore shack, Nicole's friendship, and God knows what else will come next.
2: Love Nicole's friendship, by the way, Chris, I got to kick out of seeing Nicole's friendship on every post Leo would
0: write there the season. I, I did that. That's great. And I want to do find your beach as another team name for, for Corona good goodness someone's some
2: you know someone around the country is going to try and like name their team like covid-19 Oh, absolutely! like yeah.
0: stop it stop yeah. it find your beach is probably a little enough yeah like find, find your beach
2: is pretty subtle i like that one I, by the way on the lost phrase podcast you guys should uh you guys should allow people to submit listener suggestions on what your team name should be
1: i should do that <laughs> leo would the, probably love that i would love that i mean chris is known for making some of the best team names we've ever had. I mean, we the Los phrase podcast name came from you creating the Los Phrase Ultimate Hoops team. Like, that's where it came from. So it, it, it's been interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see how it all unfolds coming up in the next, you know, few months here and if we're going to get back on the court. But that's been another episode of the Ultimate Hoops Podcast. It's Chris Frey, Jake Asman, myself, and you guys listening in. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back for episode four, hopefully very soon.